yo what's good everybody welcome back to the podcast for february 4th 2021 nxt's in the books aew's in the books i'm gonna be bundling up both shows into one big podcast moving forward um, i'm gonna start it today and please let me know what you guys think about this idea so let's not waste enough time let's get into last night's coverage of aew dynamite yo edgar you know what to do man Hit that intro. Let's go. Welcome to... You're listening to The Wrestling Takeover. What is your name? With your host, Jordan Turner, who's always going to keep it real. Come on, King. Inside and outside the ring. Let me make myself clear. He's got the band behind him, King. It's time to take over, King. Are you ready? He's all fired up now, King. Take over. Let's go. Let's do this, man. AEW Dynamite. I can't believe I'm finally covering AEW. And the real reason why I haven't been covering AEW weekly is because I just got too much on my plate in terms of WWE that I talk about mainly. And I don't really have time to cover other companies from a weekly standpoint in terms of AEW Impact. But I'm looking to change that this year and cover more wrestling outside of WWE. But I have been watching AEW on a weekly basis. I just haven't been covering it on the podcast. Now, last night's AEW, I mean, it was a good show. It wasn't really anything special in my personal opinion. Uh, this beach break gimmick thing that they're doing. Um, I don't know. It is what it is. I feel like AEW kind of has a plan. But the one thing I will say, and I will critique AEW is, we got to stop with the tag teams. There's... Too many tag teams in AEW. I think it's kind of overload, to be honest with you. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but overall, that's just my slight criticism of AEW. Obviously, the women's vision. I'm not going to go over it. It's a real struggle. They know it's a struggle. And they are trying their hardest to give us, the fans, a best quality in terms of the women's vision. So I'm not going to really harp on them on that. They know the problem. We know the problem. Hopefully, they can ultimately fix it. As the years roll on. But AEW Dynamite Beach Break. I got my notes here. So let's not waste enough time man. Let's get it started. With the opening match. Which was the Battle Royal. To determine the number one contender. To battle the Young Bucks. At Revolution. So you guys know who were involved. Um, Chris Jericho and MJF. Ultimately won the Battle Royal. They are still continuing this duo between MJF and Jericho. I love the inner circle. Um, I feel like as a fan watching them on a weekly basis, I don't want to say that they're, they don't have more ideas in terms of how to elevate the duo and just the stable in general, the inner circle. But I feel like time is running out in terms of the group and especially with what happened with Sammy Guevara. I believe Sammy Guevara is going to be the babyface. I feel like he's going to be the Randy Orton of Evolution. What I mean by that is, you guys remember Evolution with Triple H, Batista, Ric Flair, and Randy Orton. Sammy Guevara really reminds me of Randy Orton. I've been saying that for many years in terms of just the way he is presented on TV. And easily with the inner circle, he reminds me so much of Randy Orton in that perspect. And I definitely see the inner circle possibly turning on Sammy Guevara and Sammy Guevara going on a babyface run. 
maybe challenging for the AEW Championship down the line this year, or maybe the TNT Championship feuding once again in that great feud with Darby Allen. So we'll see what happens. But I just wanted to make that point that Sammy Guevara reminds me of Randy Orton a lot from a character perspective and the way he's been pushed and the way he's just been presented on TV. So he pretty much left afterwards after the match was over um, because he felt slighted. And I could see why he felt slighted. You know, Chris Jericho is favoring MJF over Sammy Guevara. I know that Sammy Guevara and Jericho were really tight like that. But now MJF, the prodigy kid, coming in out of nowhere. And Chris Jericho is befriending more MJF than Sammy Guevara. I would take that a little personally, too, if I were Sammy Guevara as well. But at the end of the day, Jericho and MJF earned a title shot at Evolution. Uh, it is what it is. It was a good... Listen, man, these battle royals, to me personally, are unnecessary. I think they take away from the show, quite frankly, because every time we see a battle royal, we see spots where the wrestler is on the top rope and we see wrestlers pile up in the ring, getting ready to catch the guy that's on the top rope. It happens outside the ring at two where these wrestlers just stand around. And I also want to bring this up too. you guys remember months ago where um, Jim Ross brought up. He was complaining about people with spots during the match, how they sit around. They wait for a guy to jump off the top rope to catch him. I absolutely agree with everything Jim Ross said. And that's all I'm going to pretty much say in terms of that brief discussion that Jim Ross had pretty much. He was kind of calling out the wrestlers of WWE, AEW, and other wrestlers in the wrestling business. I agree with him. But we've seen a lot of that, and that really took away from the match, in my personal opinion. But that's just me. So MJF, Jericho, do they take the championships off of the Young Bucks at Revolution for the Tag Team Championships? <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like the Young Bucks, I want to see the Young Bucks have a long, lengthy championship reign. You see, I'm the type of fan where I want to see somebody hold a championship for almost a year, you know, nine months, six months, the latest, not three months or two months. You know, I want, especially if they won that championship for the first time in a promotion, I want them to legitimately have a real lengthy reign with that specific championship. So I'm praying that we see that with the Young Bucks. Only time will tell. Hopefully, you know, AEW's considers doing that for them. But we are slowly seeing the resentment with Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho and the rest of the inner circle. But before I move on to what happened afterwards, I want to mention something in terms of Jake Hager and the inner circle. Listen, if you are a fan of Jake Hager, God bless you. I'm not. I couldn't give a fuck about Jake Hager. I was never a big fan of him anyways when he was in the WWE. So when I seen him in even Lucha Underground, when he was in Lucha Underground, I seen him and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then when I seen him come in AEW, I'm like, okay, I guess. Yeah, he's a tough son of a bitch, but outside of being tough and a badass, I don't get it. You know what I mean? I really don't. But I just wanted to make that point. Um, overall, it is what it is. Jericho MJF are being favored over, or excuse me, Jericho was favoring MJF over Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is going to take that personally. And we might be on a verge of a babyface run in Sammy Guevara, similar 
to Randy Orton in 2005 with Evolution. So we'll see what happens with that. So the next segment we've seen Team Taz interrupt Darby Allen and Sting. Tony Schiavone interrupt, interviewed Darby Allen and Sting tonight. Team Taz interrupted from outside Daily Place and said that Tony Khan won't allow them inside the building. Taz noted that Darby is defending the TNT Championship against Joey Janela next week, and Team Taz will be in attendance for that one. Ricky Starts then grabbed the microphone and said, See, the icon anymore. He looks like Sting of old, but not really. He doesn't resemble the Sting of old. He is just an old, beat-up man coming into a company to get attention. So pretty much, <laughs> I like it because he was pretty much being disrespectful to Sting and calling Sting out, and Ricky Starts is just like this prodigy dude, you know, Kuhan Luke guy. He's a young dude, and he kind of resembles Randy Orton for me in my perspective in terms of like this cocky, young dude thinking he knows everything and he knows everyone and he's thinking he's the hot shit in AEW. It is cool. He's a great wrestler. Him on the microphone, I really can't stand. I mean, I could understand what he's saying, but it comes off so forced and it just feels like he's so uncomfortable on the microphone. So if he's uncomfortable on the microphone, don't give him a fucking microphone. Just don't give him a microphone. That's just my personal opinion. But we've seen Sting then comment against, um, what's his face, man? I just said it. Starks against Starks. Ricky Starks. So Sting added that Starks need to take a closer look if he doesn't see the icon anymore. So pretty much Sting was telling Starks, like, all right, you're being disrespectful, but I'm going to show you why I'm the icon. I'm going to show you why I'm the legend. I'm going to show you why I'm the greatest of all time. You'll see what happens next week. So... This thing with Darby, Allen, and Sting, we kind of knew this was going to happen when Sting came into the uh, AEW. We kind of knew that Sting was going to be a mentor to Darby Allen. Obviously, the face paint, the similarities are kind of there. And it's cool. You know, when I seen Sting coming in AEW, I popped. You popped. We all popped. But the first thing that came to my mind was, all right, is he going to, be a mentor to Darby Allen. That's exactly what it's going to look like. That's exactly what's happening. But this thing with Sting to me, it's like, all right, you brought him in and you want him to be a mentor to another wrestler. That's great. But there's fans out there, man, that want to see Sting wrestle. And he's actually going to be wrestling, you know, against Team Taz at Revolution with Darby Allen in a street fight and a tag team match. That's great. We kind of knew Sting was going to wrestle. And I love that AEW is putting him in a tag team with somebody. And it's pretty much to hide his flaws because he's old and he has neck issues. So they want to protect him in that perspective. And I believe that the tag team match is going to be, what is it? It's going to be like um, a stipulation match. But it is what it is. It's cool. Sting's going to wrestle. I can't wait to see it. Should be interesting. This segment was, it was decent. I love the interaction with Sting and Ricky Starks. Like I said, Ricky Starks needs to kind of improve on the microphone. Um, Tony Schiavone was just calling people out and telling them to come to the ring, and then that's it. 
He was just quiet the entire segment. I like that. The moderator doesn't really need to be speaking all the time, you know? Call the people out, have them come out, and then zip your mouth. You know what I mean? So it was cool. I like it. We'll see what happens leading into Revolution with Sting, Darby, and Team Taz. Up next, we've seen Britt Baker take on Thunder Rosa. So Britt Baker... I'm going to talk about Britt Baker in a second. But Britt Baker ultimately defeated Thunder Rosa. I was really shocked because I thought Thunder Rosa was going to beat Britt Baker as Britt Baker was the first signing to AEW. And you can tell that AEW is really putting investment in Britt Baker and vice versa. I like Britt Baker. Um, I do see the potential. She has a great character. I love the character that she's playing. Her in the ring. She's getting better and better. Um, But like I said, AEW really has a lot of investment and they put a lot of money into Britt Baker and they're hoping that she is coming out as an investment of the way that they were paying her and they were treating her with like royalty in terms of having her wrestle all the time and video packages and her having her little talk show and you could just tell that AEW is loyal to Britt Baker and vice versa. So Britt Baker is getting better in the ring. I like it. Finally. You know what I mean about all this time. But Thunder Rosa losing was kind of a shocker. But Britt Baker faced Thunder Rosa tonight. Pretty much last night. Um, Britt went right after Thunder. After she battled back and connected with a drop kick. Baker knocked Rosa down outside the ring and slammed her into the barricade. Thunder Rosa hit Britt with a shoulder tackle and followed it up with an uppercut. As obviously Dynamite went to commercial. So we get back from commercial break. Thunder planted Baker with a Death Valley driver on the entrance ramp, which looked brutal. The impact was just insane. The action then returned to the ring as Thunder Rosa went for a power driver, but Britt Baker countered into the air crash. It was a nice little air crash maneuver by uh, Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa's very intense in that ring. I feel like when you're in there with her, it's like you're going to get your ass beat. You know what I mean? And you got to sell your ass off. I've heard stories of Thunder Rosa not liking when people would uh, not sell. And then I also heard stuff like Thunder Rosa only likes legit people in the ring. If you're not legit, she's not going to sell for you. A lot of the controversy stuff with Thunder Rosa. But this was ultimately a good back and forth match. So after we've seen that that Valley driver on entrance ramp, like I said, the action returns to the ring. Thunder Rosa went to the Went for a power driver, but Britt countered it into an air crash. Thunder connected then with the slam and went to the cover, but Brick was able to kick out at two. Then Rebel, who was partner up with Britt Breaker, Rebel ripped off the turnbuckle pad while the referee wasn't paying attention. Britt sent Thunder Rosa face first into the uh, exploded turnbuckle and then applied the lock jaw for the victory. Thunder Rosa passed out. Now, Thunder Rosa didn't tap out, which I love. And instead, she passed out. She's looked strong, even though she lost. She did lose. The record will say she lost, but she passed out. So I like that. It keeps her looking strong, like I said, even though she passed out. Some good stuff. I feel like the women's division is slowly getting better. They got to establish more women. But like I said, they got to have that face of the women's division. Is Thunder Rosa that face I believe she is but I'm they need that one woman man who was that I don't know we'll see what happens 
So next up, we've seen Hangman Page and Matt Hardy pick up a win as they face Chaos Project. So Hangman Page teamed up with Matt Hardy to face Chaos Project. Matt Hardy dominated action early and beat down Servio. Hangman placed Servio into a suplex and tagged Matt into tagged Matt Hardy as he came back in the ring. Hangman hit Luther with the crossbody and followed it up with a spinebuster and form to Brazil's face. Page then hit Buck, uh, Butchler Lariat, the Buckler Lariat, pretty much a springboard flip into a clothesline. That's pretty much all it was. Um, he hit it on him, and Matt Hardy tagged himself in. Afterwards, Matt then pinned Sonero and celebrated as Hangman was pissed off. Why was he pissed off? This tease of Hangman being a heel for, it feels like forever. I'm at a point now where it's like, okay, if you're going to turn the guy heel, just turn him heel, please, if it's going to happen. If he's this tweener baby face, that's fine too. But I don't know why he was upset. I don't know why he was so mad that Matt Hardy picked up the pin instead of him. You know, is this, are they going to run with the storyline where he tags with people and his partners ultimately get the pin instead of him. And then one of those partners, he snaps and turns heel. And he doesn't give a fuck. And he's all about himself. All about the beer. All about the women. All the other stuff. Woo, woo, woo. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens with Hangman. I love Hangman. I know in the beginning of AEW when this whole thing came about. I wasn't a big fan of Hangman. I didn't get Hangman. But I love this just arrogance and just full of himself and I love the uh, I don't give a fuck type character. We do see a lot of those in wrestling, but when done right, it really comes off genuine, and we're seeing that with Hangman, so it should be interesting to see what happens. Is he going to attack Matt Hardy? Are we going to see a feud with Matt Hardy and Hangman? I wouldn't mind seeing that, so that should be very fun. Now, after that match, the next segment, we've seen Orange Cassidy interrupt the wedding. So it was Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. Penelope Ford is so cute. She's so bad, man. But Sabian and Penelope Ford got married on last night's episode. Chuck Taylor serving as Miro's butler in the ring with them. So Father James Mitchell moderated the ceremony. Kip joked that the moment that Penelope's eyes met his eyes, meeting his chest was at the moment he fell in love. What the fuck? Okay. I don't know why I wrote that. Uh, Kip added that Penelope is beautiful on the inside and very hot on the outside. Uh, yes, Kip, your girlfriend, wife, she's very attractive. She's very attractive. And if you don't think she's attractive, you're tripping. But Penelope was about to make a penis joke, but Kip stopped her and they skipped ahead. <laughs> okay. First of all, I don't think that was going to be in the script of AEW, and I don't think TNT would have proved that. So I don't know why they kind of planted that. I was like, oh, Penelope Ford might make a dick joke. I don't know why they put that in there if she wasn't going to make the joke. So I didn't like that. I actually kind of hated that, to be honest with you. Um, So after she attempted to make a dick joke, Penelope said the same and put a ring on Savian's finger. Meryl said he has been here for a few. He's been here a few times. And they are not asking if anyone has any objections. Kip and Pelé forth and kiss to sell the deal. So when Miro said he has been here a few times, that is obviously 
a dig at WWE because of the wedding, quote-unquote, with him and Lana on an episode of Monday Night Raw where Roman Reigns ultimately interrupted. I hate weddings. I really do. If if you like weddings, I don't understand why you like weddings in wrestling. They don't do anything, really. They ultimately start a feud with somebody. We always see somebody get attacked. I don't know. That's just me. I didn't really like it. Um, Miro then offered a toast and told Chucky Taylor to bring everyone champagne. Miro told Kip that he is all about love and his power and knowledge is his wedding present. Miro pointed at a large gift and Chuck said it was from him. He attacked the present and revealed that it was empty. Chuck handcuffed Miro and beat Kip down as Penelope fell into the wedding cake. Dude, it's the same thing like with Roman Reigns and Rusev and Lana. Like, oh my God, this shit's annoying. I hate it this segment. I'm going to keep it a stat. I'm going to be real with you, man. I, I hate it this segment. These weddings are just awful. They're not genuine. They're extremely forced. This is just to put a segment on beach break. It was annoying. And then we've seen Orange Cassidy popped out of the cake and hit Sabian with the beach break to end the segment. Who gives a shit? Who fucking cares? I don't care. You don't care. It's just my personal opinion. Miro deserves better than this, man. If he came to AEW for this shit, what a joke Miro is, man. What a fucking joke Miro is. If he came to AEW for this shit, whatever, man. Money talks, I guess, right? Whatever. Uh, Lance Archer defeated Eddie Kingston as they had a match. So we've seen Lance Archer battle Eddie Kingston in a lumberjack match tonight on Beach Break last night. Um, Yeah, lumberjack matches. I hate them. I don't like them. They're all clustered, and I'd rather see a one-on-one. Give me a one-on-one match. I'm not trying to see. I mean, it is a one-on-one match, but the problem is there's wrestlers outside the ring, so when one of the wrestlers that are in the ring wrestling go outside the ropes, go outside the ring, the wrestlers that are outside the ring get to hit them for a little bit and then send them back in the ring. I don't give a fuck about that. I really don't. I want to see a one-on-one match. And I feel like I would have been a little bit more invested into Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston if it was just a one-on-one match. You have two badass motherfuckers going at it, but a lumberjack stipulation. I didn't like it. So, like I said, they're in a lumberjack match. Lance Archer controlled the match early as Dynamite went to a commercial. Of course, they did. When Dynamite returned, Kingston threw Archer out of the ring and Butcher and Blade hit him with some cheap shots. Like I said, Lumberjack matches, there's no DQ. So when I seen Blade and Butcher come in and hit a cheap shot, whatever, man. I literally shrugged my shoulders like, all right, this is, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed because I'd rather see these guys go one-on-one. I feel like it would have been a little bit better if they were just in a one-on-one match. It is what it is. So Blade brought a table into the ring. Bear Country sent him through it. Archer then hit Kingston with a blackout for the pin. So, Archer ultimately won. He beat Eddie Kingston. What's next? Um, I feel like Lance Archer, to be honest with you, is supposedly being booked like a AEW version of Braun Strowman. I don't know. 
I like Lance Archer more than Braun Strowman, to be honest with you, but I don't know, man. The big men stuff, uh, I don't know. I don't really like it. I don't know. That's just me. I'm not really feeling it. But Lance Archer's really good. He's really good. He's a big dude. He can wrestle. You know, he's very athletic as well. So I'm happy he's getting shine. Eddie Kingston, I love Eddie Kingston. His promos are one of the best in the business. Easily one of the best promos in all of professional wrestling, Eddie Kingston. So next up, man, we've seen Kenta. Yes, Kenta from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I want to make a quick point as I seen it earlier today after I got out of work. Congratulations to New Japan Pro Wrestling, man. Congratulations, bro. They are officially on Roku moving forward, which will be on February 11th, which is a Thursday moving forward. Y'all know I cover New Japan dating back to my blog days. Y'all know I cover New Japan. I love New Japan. I might be covering New Japan a little bit more often on Thursdays or another day, but... A lot more New Japan Pro Wrestling coverage is going to be right here on the Wrestling Takeover. So stay tuned for more details. I'll let you know on social media. But like I said, I wanted to make that quick point as I seen Kenta arrived and attacked John Moxley, which made sense because John Moxley earlier um, in one of the New Japan shows, I think it was New Japan Strong Style, whatever the case might be, John Moxley came out on that show and attacked Kenta. So when I seen Kenta attacked Moxley. Listen, I was excited. I was thrilled. I was like, oh, shit, this is cool. You know, the partnership with AEW Impact in New Japan is running wild, and I love it. Like I've been saying on social media, man, partnerships in pro wrestling are needed. Partnerships in pro wrestling is what we need to see as a fan base. The dream matches, just companies working together and having that partnership. And when I heard a, uh, a rumor, which was actually factual information about AEW has always wanted to work with New Japan, but New Japan was always petty because of what happened with Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, um, and Cody. So they kind of resembled and, and kind of had hatred towards AEW for that, but I think they moved past that, which they should have moved past that. We got a partnership, y'all. New Japan Impact and AEW. Let's do it, man. Better wrestling for not only the wrestlers, but us, the fans. So it's cool. So AEW champion Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers face Pac, Phoenix, and John Moxley in the main event of AEW Dynamite. So what happened was Pac leveled Anderson with the shoulder tackle and followed it up with a head scissors takedown to begin the bout. Gallows tagged in Moxley as Moxley asked for a tag. Pac obligated and... Moxley circled Gallows in the ring. Moxley beat Gallows down, and then Anderson tagged in. Pack made his way to the top rope, but Gallows shoved him into the canvas. Later on, Moxley hit Anderson with a couple clotheslines and some stomps into the corner of the ring. Moxley ducked under a clothesline and planted Carl with a suplex for a near fall as Dynamite went to a commercial break. As we came back from commercial break, Moxley avoided the Magic Killer and sent Gallows out of the ring. Later on, Omega and Phoenix tagged in, and Ray hit the AEW champion with a Hurricane Rana. Man, when I, I, I need to see Phoenix and Kenny Omega for the AEW championship. Every time these guys are in the ring, it's a great match. 
It really is. They tell great stories. They're great sellers. It just feels like a fight feel every time Kenny Omega and Phoenix are inside that ring. So great stuff from both men. So we've seen, uh, like I said, Phoenix and Kenny Omega in the ring. So Phoenix hit Omega with a cutter. I want to say this. Outside of the RKO, Phoenix has the great has a great cutter, and it's easily one of the best cutters in pro wrestling outside of Randy Orton. I want to make that perfectly clear. Randy Orton has the best finisher, best cutter in the business. But Phoenix is second, in my personal opinion. So we've seen Phoenix hit Omega with a cutter and went for the cover, but Omega was able to kick out it too. Good Brothers sent Phoenix and Moxley to the outside as Omega connected with the powerbomb on Phoenix for a near fall. Kenny hit Pack with the V-trigger, brutal V-trigger. Those sounds for the V-trigger are insane. So he hit Phoenix with a V-trigger and set up for the one-winged angel, but Pack escaped. Later on, Moxley hit Omega with a clothesline and followed it up with a German suplex. I love the combinations, man. You do one move and then you follow it up with another. Love that type of shit. Pack delivered a German suplex on his own and went for the cover, but the AEW champion was somehow able to kick out it too. Omega slammed Moxley onto the mat and went for the cover, but Pack broke it up with a beautiful 450. So Kenny Omega hit an offensive move, went for the pin. He didn't see Pack on the top rope. Pack, as the pin was going, landed that 450 splash. That was some great stuff. Um, Moxley hit Anderson with a cutter and tagged in Phoenix. Phoenix moonsault onto Anderson for a two count. Anderson planted Phoenix with a spine buster and Gallows tagged in. Good Brothers hit the magic killer on Phoenix for the pinfall and the victory. So the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega defeated John Moxley and Ray Phoenix and Pac. So very good stuff. I really enjoyed this match. This was a fun main event. Like I said, I love tag team wrestling, but I feel like we see it a little bit too much. It's like life or death for AEW. And I just feel like I want to see more singles matches in the main event. I'm not saying tag team wrestling is terrible in AEW. Don't get it twisted, all right? AEW has the best tag team division in pro wrestling, but I just see it too much. That's just my personal opinion, man. Let me know what you guys think about that. So after the match, Good Brothers attacked Moxley, but Lance Archer made the save. Like I said, he's a babyface. Lance Archer sent Gallows and Anderson outside the ring and exit the ring. Moxley crawled towards... Moxley crawled towards Moxley. Kenta hopped into the ring out of nowhere and hit Moxley with the GTS to close the show. So, look at that. Kenta is in AEW officially. I don't think he's in AEW officially, but it was a great sight to behold. This made sense. Um, Kenta getting revenge from... John Moxie for what John Moxie did to Kenta at one of the New Japan Pro Wrestling shows. This was an awesome episode of AEW Dynamite. I really enjoyed it. Some very good stuff. And we're just going to have to see what happens moving forward for AEW leading into Revolution. You guys, I will be right back. I'm going to take a short little break. But when I come back, we're going to be rolling into what happened on last night's episode of the black and gold brand known as N. XT. I'll be back, you guys.
All right, y'all, I'm back. The black and gold brand. NXT from last night's show from February 3rd, 2021. NXT was a decent show last night. We are continuing the build for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic for the men and the women. The teams that won, I expected them to win. Uh, we are seeing Karrion Cross. Maybe going after Santos Escobar for the Cruiserweight Championship and much more as we kicked off NXT with an opening match for the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic semifinals, which involved Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro. Casey and Dakota started off the match with Casey hitting, hitting an arm bar, arm drag with the lock in the standing side headlock before hitting an arm drag and she sent... Caden double-teamed Dakota for the two. Dakota comes back with a backbreaker and tags in Raquel Gonzalez before all four women ultimately started brawling. And Casey and Caden then cleared the ring before Raquel Gonzalez came back into the ring and slammed Casey onto the edge of the apron. Yeah, that those, listen, bro, those spots where people get slammed on the apron, they just sound and look brutal. Casey just really sold that. And I know she's small too. So when she got hit with the move, I was like, damn, like, is she good? Is she Gucci? She was obviously great, but the selling of her, she looked like she like broke her back. So I really love the selling of Casey and she's coming in very well from a standpoint of development inside the ring. And she's very underrated in the ring. She's very good in my personal opinion. So back in the ring, Raquel stomps Casey and tagged in Dakota Kai, who hits a jumping stomp for the two before knocking Kaden off the apron. Casey and Kaden hit an assisted rebound before Casey gets hot, the hot tag, and Kaden Carter comes back into the ring as Raquel is tagged in as well and on the opposite side. So Casey hits a head scissors into the clutch kick for the two before Dakota distracts Kaden and gets knocked off the apron. Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez then comes back into the ring and knocks Kaden off the apron into the announce table as we get to commercial. So we come back from commercial break. Kaden gets the hot tag to Casey, who climbs off the staffles and lands a crossbody onto Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. You know, when I seen her climb, when I see Casey climb up the little staffle, she was climbing so quick. It's just like I, I was watching her on American Ninja Warrior because I loved American Ninja Warrior back then, so... When she would be on the show and I was watching it, dude, she is so quick. And she delivered that cross body to Raquel and Dakota. And it was a great shot. It was really cool. I mean, I kind of would feel comfortable too. I kind of like heights too. So I would love to have climbed that. So that was pretty cool by Casey. Like I said, she's coming in very well from an in-ring perspective. So after that cross body, we seen Casey sent Raquel back into the ring and Caden hit a dragging power driver into a missile drop kick by Casey Catanzaro. So Casey then hits a 450 stomp for the near fall that Dakota is late to break up before Raquel pins Caden, who was choked with a choke. So she was choking Casey before she hit the choke power bomb. So I don't really, I mean, it was cool for what it was. She didn't really need to add the choking into it before she land uh, the power bomb to Casey. She could have just choked Casey, grabbed her, and then land that power bomb. And that power bomb is weird. 
to be honest with you. It is what it is, but like I predicted, and we all kind of predicted this, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez defeated Casey, Catanzaro, and Caden Carter via pinfall to advance to the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic for the women's portion. Backstage, we've seen Tony Storm is interviewed about her challenging Eel Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship in a triple threat match with Eel, Mercedes, and herself. Then we get backstage with the way uh, Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory make their way from the back of head of Austin Theory's matchup next. A little cool, I guess. Nothing really special. Uh, we get backstage after that. We got another backstage. I didn't really like that NXT did three backstage segments before we got to the taxi match that I'm going to be talking about coming up next. But whatever, man. Three backstage segments in a row. Back to back to back to back. I don't really like that. It is what it is. But backstage, we've seen Edge speak with general manager Royal Regal. What was he talking about? I don't know. I'll talk about that later. Second match on NXT was the men's Dusty Cup semifinals. Austin Theory with Johnny Gargano versus Leon Ruff. So Austin takes control early and beats on Leon before whipping him into the corner before posing at Johnny Gargano at ringside before running Leon over. Leon counters a fireman's carry into the clutch for a near fall before laying into Austin with forms and punches into he ultimately ran into a running knee. So Austin sends Leon out onto the apron before Leon super kicks Gargano at ringside. Now, after that, we've seen Leon and Austin run into each other with Austin sending Leon outside the ring as Indy Hartwell then came out with Candice LeRae. I don't know why they came out. I thought that was kind of pointless and it kind of took away from the match because the match at that time was really good. But when we seen them come out, you know, we've seen... Th- this is what I'm saying, bro. Like, Sashi Blackheart came out and then Amber Moon came out afterwards to take out Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae as they ran them outside back into the locker room before Leon fakes an attack by Gargano, and Gargano was ejected from ringside. I don't like the ringside shit where people that were supporting their partner go out there, and they don't really support them. You know, they kind of make it about themselves. I don't like that, and then they ultimately get ejected. It's like, what was the point of you coming out here trying to help your tag team partner you know, supporting him from a sportsmanship standpoint, but then you want to make it about yourself, and then you ultimately get ejected. I don't know. I didn't like that. That was stupid. NXT does that a lot, though. So I really shouldn't be upset about it, but it just annoys me. So we've seen later on Austin lay into Leon with the ATL for the pin, and Austin Theory defeats Leon Ruff via pinfall. After the match, Austin attacks Leon and grabs and grabs the ring bell before Dexter Loomis comes out and attacks Johnny Gargano in Austin Theory as Austin Theory and Johnny Gargano ran away from Dexter Loomis. So it looks like Dexter Loomis is going after as well the North American Championship. I believe NXT did announce that at TakeOver Vengeance, which they announced a little TakeOver special, it's going to be called TakeOver Vengeance, Johnny Gargano is going to be defending his championship his North American Championship against uh, Kushida. Now, when I seen Dexter Loomis attack Johnny Gargano, 
it told me that Dexter Loomis is going to go after the North American Championship, that Koshida is principally a placeholder. He's basically a placeholder for maybe Dexter Loomis ultimately being the one to beat Johnny Gargano. But I wouldn't really do that personally. I would have Dexter Loomis lose, even though he shouldn't be losing, but I would have him lose. This is for the bigger story. I would actually have Austin Theories always being disrespected by Johnny Gargano, always being talked down by Johnny Gargano. We see Johnny Gargano defend his championship against somebody else. Austin Theory ultimately interferes and calls Johnny Gargano the match. Johnny Gargano loses his championship, and we see Austin Theory versus Johnny Gargano in a singles feud. Or Johnny Gargano could defend the championship against somebody else. He wins, and then Austin Theory is pretty much saying, well, what about me? You know, I've been your partner for months. Uh, I think I should deserve a run with that championship. We see the consension between both men, and we see a feud for the North American Championship between Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. That's just my opinion. We'll see what happens, but it is what it is. So we then see a video package of Tina Shaw, the mystery woman on the throne, that woman that was on the throne um, that was in control of Zia Lee and Boa in the past several weeks. Little video package there. Um, I thought it was Mako Satamora. Maybe it is Mako. It's just a new name. I don't know. I'm predicting it's Mako, but we'll see what happens. Next up, Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic quarterfinal for the men. The Lucha House Party versus Legado del Fantasma. I love that name. Legado del Fantasma. Cool name. So, Lince Dorado drops Raul repeatedly before Raul backs Lince into the corner and LDF start tagging. Starts tagging in and out and beating on Lince Dorado while screaming at him in Spanish. Lince then gets the hot tag to Grand Metalik before he's sent out of the ring and what is this guy's name? Fucking Joaquin. Fucking Joaquin Phoenix over here. And Joaquin hits a suicide dive as we go to commercial. We come back from commercial break. Metalik hitting a sunset flip power bomb off the top rope to Raul before Lindsay gets the hot tag and runs over Joaquin before drop kicking him. Let's say Dorado hits an arm drag into the back elbow and a diving crossbody for a two before Joaquin hits a jawbreaker and Lentz hits the gold rewind for a near fall. LHB, I don't know what the hell that stands for, but LHP clear the ring and take turns hitting top ropes at ringside before Lentz hits a head scissors before Raul gets the blind tag. LDF then pins Lince Dorado for their first win, for their first finisher for the win. So the name of it is the first finisher, I guess. Okay. Okay. That's what the commentary called it, and that's what I wrote down here. All right. Whatever. Um, overall, it was all right. Legato El Fantasma, they needed to defeat Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik, the Lucha House Party, and they advanced to the semifinals of the tournament. It made sense. And I wasn't really surprised after this win. Overall, it was a good match. I love the Lucha House Party. I feel like the Lucha House Party are being taken a little bit more seriously on NXT. And obviously on the main roster, they were booked like a joke. They were booked like clowns. But on NXT, it's so funny, man. They're booked like a serious deal. That's because Triple H is 
running things in NXT. And you can tell he he genuinely cares about these people. And you can tell that by watching on a weekly basis. Now, after the match, MSK come out and stand with the trophy while mocking LDF ahead of their ma- I don't know what the hell LDF means. But that's probably the nickname for, you know, oh, God, I'm an idiot. El del, del Fantasma, that's what that means, LDF. I'm a fucking idiot. Whatever, man. Um, but LDF ahead of their match next week as MSK stand next to the trophy. That's going to be a fucking banger, bro. That's going to be a banger, dude. MSK versus LDF. Woo! That's going to be good, man. So we've seen the Kings of NXT arrive to the arena as we go to commercial break. Whatever. It's cool. Not really big fans of the King of NXT. It is what it is. But backstage, Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa are getting ready for their Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic match in tonight's main event. So we've seen the Kings of NXT make their way out to the ring, and Pete gets on the microphone and demands Finn Balor to come out to the ring. That's because it's rumored that Pete Dunne and Finn Balor are going to go at it one-on-one at TakeOver Vengeance for the NXT Championship. So he called Finn Balor out, told him to come to the ring. Finn gets on the apron as he comes out, and he goes into the ring before Oni Lorca and Danny Burch leave, and Pete tells Finn to hold tight to the NXT Championship before Finn gives Pete his championship match at TakeOver. Vengeance Day, so that's what the title of it's going to be called. It's going to be called Vengeance Day. I like it. It makes sense. The two interrupted by the winners of this year's Royal Rumble match, Edge. So Edge, this is where Edge came out. You know, people were like speculating, oh, is Edge going to challenge Finn Balor? Listen, bruh. Listen, y'all. I don't see that happening. I see Edge challenging Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. I'm a ride and die by that. That's what I see happening. But Edge came out. He made his way to the ring. It was great to see Edge on NXT. Edge talks about how he's going to be watching Finn and Pete in their match at TakeOver. Of He hasn't decided still who he's going to consider challenging at WrestleMania. So we've seen backstage, Johnny Gargano was interviewed after what happened to Austin Theory and Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell in the semifinals of the Women's Dusty Cup. Johnny is then informed that he is going to be defending his North American Championship against Kushida at TakeOver. Obviously expected. Um, we come back then to Johnny going to William Regal's office before Kushida tells to go, or before Kushida tells go to come back later, and the two then brawl. So William Regal told Kushida to go away. Kushida saw Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano saw Kushida, and they started brawling. They started brawling, and it was a good brawl, and both men were separated. I can't wait for this match. This should be a great match. I still feel like Johnny Gargano should retain the championship. I feel like Austin Theory and Johnny Gargano feud for the North American championship and Johnny Gargano remaining a heel in Austin Theory turning into this baby face, feeling slighted, feeling disrespected, feeling used by Johnny Gargano. It's money. Just my opinion. So the next match we've seen... Jesse Karma with Aaliyah and Robert Stone versus Tony Storm. So Tony sends Jesse into the ropes and drops her before hitting a sliding form for the two. Mercedes Martinez then rushes 
Tony and Jesse as Mercedes Martinez attacks both ladies and she lays out both of them after Tony for the disqualification. So this match was stupid. This match was pointless. Okay. Match was pointless. Listen, I was watching it and I'm like, I hate that shit. I thought Triple H cares about the women. He obviously does care about the women, but I just don't like seeing this shit. Why couldn't Mercedes Martinez attack Tony Storm after the match? I don't know. Whatever, man. Um, so after the match, Io Shirai comes out and takes out Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez with the moonsault before holding her championship up high in the center of the ring. My baby Io. My baby Io. I love Io Shirai. Always loved Io Shirai more than ever. Even when she was a babyface, I still loved Io Shirai. But I love Io a little bit more now because she's a heel. Well, not a heel, but she's a tweener. She's a tweener character. Um, I love it. It's great. Um, I'm a ride or die Io Shirai fan. I feel like Io needs to retain the women's championship at NXT TakeOver. And if she does lose, she shouldn't be the one getting pinned. I want to make that clear. So after that, and after that little situation that we've seen with all those three women, we get a promo by Kurt Stallion ahead of his challenge for the Cruiserweight Championship, which was obviously the next matchup. We then get a video package from Cameron Grimes as he is shockingly returning next week. Now, if you guys didn't know, Cameron Grimes has surgery. So he was out for a bit, but he's making a return next week. He can be another man added to the North American Championship pitcher, and it could be something very interesting. So we then see for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship match, Santos Escobar with Logalo Del Fantasma versus Kurt Stallion. They lock up, and Santos backs Kurt into the corner before beating him down and locking a crop before hitting a snap mirror into a abdominal stretch. Oh, my God, my phone. Um, excuse me. So Santos drop kicks Kurt for the two before we see Scarlett looking on from the platform in the back of the arena before Kurt counters a reversal DDT. This was interesting. I'll explain. So Santos hits a running Meteora in the corner before hitting a brain buster for the two before applying a double wrist lock while staring and smiling at Scarlett. Kurt sends Santos into, into um, the rope and then he sends Santos outside the ring as the champion regroups while Raul and Joaquin are at ringside while eyeing Scarlett as we go to commercial. We come back from commercial break and Santos is in the corner before mocking Cross and Scarlett and covering Kurt for the two before locking in a half Boston Crab before transferring into a crossface. So he transferred into a crossface maneuver. So Santos bends Kurt and drives his knees into his back while a modified softboard stretch before beating down Kurt in the corner. Kurt comes back with forms and a suicide dive before tossing Santos back into the ring and hitting a diving splash for a near fall. Santos then counters Kurt's signature rebound DDT into a suplex into the corner before dropping Kurt with a kick and finishing him off with a phantom driver, not legato for the pin and the win. So, I mean, give me a break. Did you guys think that Santos Escobar was going to lose? Come on, bro. Give me a break. Uh, he retained. 
I'm uh, listen. So ap- after the match, Karrion Cross comes out to the ring and takes out Raul and Joaquin before getting into the ring with Santos and saying that he's going to give Santos the gift of his, the gift of time. Karrion Cross then tells Santos to run along TikTok before Santos leaves and Cross and Scarlett are standing tall in the middle of the ring. What what, what what's go- what, what 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 is bro? What the is going on with Karrion Cross? What are they doing with Karrion Cross? Is he really challenging for the Cruiserweight Championship? I'm serious. I'm not joking. I, I don't like this at all. I don't like this. I'm not a fan of this. It shows that NXT really doesn't have anything for Karrion Cross. That's what it looks like to me. That is seriously what it looks like. It looks like they have nothing for Karrion Cross. So they want Karrion Cross to challenge Santos Escobar for the Cruiserweight Championship. Fucking lame. Fucking lame. Not a fan at all. I'm really not. I don't know what NXT is doing with Karrion Cross, but if this is to buy time until Pete Dunne loses to Finn Balor and then we get Karrion Cross and Finn Balor, fine. But it is what it is. I just feel like Karrion Cross needs to be used a little bit better. And Santos Escobar, fuck the Cruiserweight Championship. I don't want him to win the cruise. I don't want him to have the Cruiserweight Championship anymore. I want him to go and challenge for the North American Championship. I want him to win the North American Championship eventually. Eventually. But he deserves to be a world champion in NXT on the main champion on NXT. So that's just my opinion on about that. So backstage, Edge talks with Bronson Reed, and he's leaving the arena before Cross walks up and threatens Edge, who says that Cross may not be giving him a reason to come back to NXT, and he wouldn't like the result if he did. Okay, so WWE is clearly setting up Edge and Karrion Cross, Karrion Cross and Bronson Reed. I'm saying it. They just look like they don't know what to do. With Karrion Cross, and now we got Karrion Cross and um, Legado del Fantasma, Santos Escobar. NXT, what are you doing with Karrion Cross? Get it together, please. Get it together, bro. I don't know what you're doing. So we've seen in the main event, the men's Dusty Cup in the semifinals, Undisputed Era versus Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. So the winners were Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher as they defeated the Undisputed Era via pinfalls to advance to the semifinals. This was a good match. This was a great match. Uh, closing sequence, we've seen, um, we've seen Adam hits the last shot for a near fall before Tim drags Adam out of the ring and Roddy drops Tim across the barricade. Then Tommaso Ciampa grabs Roddy while he's coming back into the ring and hits the Widow's Bell for the pin. Nothing really special here. Um, they are really going with this Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa stuff. And the Undisputed Era lost. So, listen. I don't know what they're doing with um, Tommaso Ciampa. But this tag team with Timothy Thatcher, I'm kind of liking it. Um, it's something that Tommaso Ciampa has. And they're giving him something to do. So, that I could appreciate. Because I'm a big fan of Tommaso Ciampa. He deserves better. He deserves um, a storyline worth our investment, worth our time. This is worth our time. This is worth my time. I don't know about you guys. 
but I've been enjoying the tag team of Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. Now, the rest of the Undisputed Era, I don't know what they're doing. I feel like NXT doesn't know what he what they're doing with the Undisputed Era, Karrion Cross, even Santos Escobar. Now, it looks like we have a storyline with Karrion Cross and Santos Escobar, but that's something I don't want to see. Because I love both guys. I don't want both guys to lose. So that right there, I don't like. The women's division is absolutely stacked. We've seen two great matches in the women's division. And the Dusty Tacting Classic for the women has been better than the men, in my personal opinion. And that's about it, man. That was NXT. It was a good episode. We've seen two good episodes of Dynamite and NXT. Nothing really else to it. Now, before I go, obviously... You know, guy. You know, you guys, what to do? Y'all know what to do, man. Follow me on Twitter at JordanTCK918. Follow the podcast on IG. Thank you all who continue to fucking follow the podcast, bro. Thank you. I appreciate everybody following the podcast, man. At the Wrestling Takeover on IG. If you guys want to, it's not an obligation. If you guys want to donate to the show, there's links in Anchor, Spotify, and all those podcast platforms. Speaking of all those. Please go follow and subscribe. I would really appreciate it. I love the love that I am receiving for the podcast. Thank you all very much. And that's about it, man. AEW's in the books. NXT's in the books. I'm about to be sketching out what I'm going to be talking about tomorrow for Hot Topics for WWE. And you guys are going to be getting that tomorrow. And you guys will be getting a SmackDown review on Saturday. And that's it. And a brand new week of Wrestling Talk. We'll be right here on the most creative podcast in the IWC. This right here is the Wrestling Takeover. This is your host, Jordan Turner. I am signing off. Godspeed. Y'all take care and have a great Thursday. I got the Glock in my robbery. 17 shots, no 30. Yeah, she's fine.